I mean, we know the money system is screwed up. Do you think the food system is not just as screwed up as the money system? I mean, this is what I, I ask Bitcoiners all the time. It's like, how can the money be screwed up, but the food not be screwed up just as bad? How did they basically create this food? Well, they do it to win and they're in it to win it. They had to make profits. Welcome to another episode of Light with Bitcoin, where we delve into the human side of Bitcoin by chatting with one Bitcoiner at a time, discovering their life stories, personal growth, and challenges through the lens of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Vivian Chain, and thanks for tuning in. Today, we have the honor to have Texas Slim. Um, Texas Slim is the modern-day cattleman from Kenyon, Texas. It's shaping the beef industry with, with the Beef Initiative, fostering um, microprocessing plants at local beef cells to revive small towns whilst challenging multinational food system. Slim, on a personal mission, established a Beef Initiative aiming to breathe new life into small communities by fostering local beef cells and restructuring a dying ranching culture. Slim, um, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Hey Vivian, uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Uh, we tried to schedule something yesterday, but we didn't, I was on the road. I was doing cattle stuff. So uh, I made it back. I'm under a nice little shade tree here in West Texas. So it's a, it's an honor to be on your show and uh let's uh let's have some uh fun with it all right let's dig in um so let's start from the first industry in general before we talk about beef we both know since um us dollars depact from gold and be in and introduced the fiat system a lot has changed since and can we start from your knowledge around how has this fiat approach impacted the food industry since 1971 well whenever i first uh discovered bitcoin or bitcoin discovered me you know you do a deep dive into the monetary systems you know the fiat world a lot of things that we're not educated or we don't have insight to we don't have access to that information one thing coming from where i come from the texas panhandle and agriculture and ranching well, I also came from big tech. I had to leave my small town whenever I was 19 years old because it was, uh, what is happening to the food system right now happened in the 70s and 80s to a food system that people didn't really understand what was going on. So whenever we devalued the dollar in 1971, we devalued our food systems in a way that took a couple of generations to kind of start seeing. In 1971, when we went off the gold standard with uh, the fiat dollar, well, we started injecting new types of uh, food into our food systems, more industrialized, more highly processed elements actually started becoming, I call them fake commodities, from seed oils to all kinds of different types of uh, substitutes that we used to use to nurture our bodies as far as pure animal protein, were now being injected into a food system that was devalued and they had to make more profits. We, we learned to industrialize our food systems in the United States of America in a way to where it made it highly profitable for the multinational corporations, but it started a decline in the nutritional delivery of that food. And so here we are in 2023, and whenever I started the Beef Initiative about three and a half years ago, I started Food Intelligence. Over two years ago, we started the Beef Initiative. Our health of a nation in the United States has done a steady decline. Just as the dollars declined, 
so is our value of our food systems have declined. And a lot of people don't understand how this could be because, you know, we're supposed to be advanced with uh, technology and science and food. Well, food is not science. Food is biology. And the more that we have taken biology out of the understanding of food, we've debased our food systems. And people mostly think that we're so advanced with technology and how we operate in the world now. But what we've really done is we've overfed a nation and we've nutritionally starved a nation at the same time. And this is something that has never happened before, actually in the history of man. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners are the first ones that see this. They go, whoa, what's wrong with our food? What's wrong with our health? What is going on? That's something I saw and I saw it through the window of Bitcoin. And so that's kind of was my entry point of that clarity saying there's something wrong here, but there's a solution now that we can actually strive for that gives answers that a lot of people don't even understand yet, but we're going to go ahead and lead from the front. You said there's the introduction of, of um, basically fake food into our system. And I want to um, specifically ask about the injections to the, to the cows. Um, what was the reasoning behind introducing all these antibiotics injections into the food system? Well, obviously there's, it's highly lucrative for the middlemen involved and the companies who are, who are benefiting from it. But I suppose to introduce something like this, there must be some air quality benefits or is it really a complete scam? In the very beginning, I think all of it is, is with good intent. You know, the people that engineer these solutions of health or, you know, basically antibiotics are basically supposed to help your immunity, which, or, you know, and we know that that really isn't the case anymore. I think as we've progressed, as we all know, as Bitcoiners, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is not our friend anymore. I think that's been shown, especially it's awareness in the Bitcoin space that, that Big Pharma is part of the problem. And so I see throughout the years that those antibiotics in the very beginning, yeah, they're good. To this day, there's a lot of antibiotics that have been used, have been used in the cattle industry for 40 or 50 years. They're dang good systems that we need to rely But what about the next 200 or so? And that's just me saying this. I don't know how many they basically engineered and developed, but there's a lot of them. And what that is, it's big money. It's big fiat dollar. It's big fiat profits. And who pays the price of that? Well, the animal itself, because the way that the animal has to be stewarded now through the multinational system, well, and consumer too, because it debases that animal in a way that they don't have to tell us. They don't have to say all these chemicals have been injected into that animal. Y'all distrust us. You know, that's the FDA, that's the USDA. We can't rely on that anymore. And if you're going to participate in that type of consumption of that type of uh, animal protein or whatever it is, you know, then you're going to have to do some deeper intelligence. You're going to have to do some deeper analysis. I mean, we know the money system is screwed up. Do you think the food system is not just as screwed up as the money system? I mean, this is what I, I ask Bitcoiners all the time. It's like, how can the money be screwed up, but the food not be screwed up just as bad? How did they basically create this food? Well, they do it to win it. They're in it to win it. They have to make profits. And whenever the, the, the dollar keeps on debasing, they have to make more and more profit, right? Or they have to make more substances that are going to give them those profits that they're used to. 
That's why they inject antibiotics that aren't needed. That's why they build these fake commodities as seed oils and high fructose corn syrup and everything that we're consuming right now. We're nothing more than a recycling bin of those basically antibiotic or fake commodities. And it's caught up to us as the health of the nation has now pretty much been debased just as much as the fiat dollar. And that's where right. Bitcoiners and everybody else needs to have that moment of clarity. Come on, folks, let's be real here. Just because it tastes good and it's it's hard healthy on a label, really? In Bitcoin, what what's one of our biggest phrases in Bitcoin? Don't trust, verify. Yeah. So is everybody really verifying everything they consumed this morning when it came to food? Do they know every antibiotic? Do they know every steroid? That do they know that there's over any different types of sugars now that they don't have to tell them? No, nobody does. And so how do you get around that? Well, you quit validating the deceptions. You better start verifying before you trust. And that's, I think it's confusing to a lot of people, but that's why the beef initiative was really, really formed. And that's why I think it has a lot of traction right now. You know, we're getting a lot of people, you know, paying attention. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, and uh, one thing, like myself, I've been hearing about um, a beef diet. Some people call it carnivore or more hardcore um, for for a prolonged period of time. And now I've I've finally started to to try it since last week. And one thing I realized is that it's so expensive to eat healthy. To to actually not really, <laughs> yeah, not really. Not really. I'm, no, I'm going to counter that. Okay. It can be expensive, right? But right now, you've been doing this new diet for l less than a month, right? Okay, yeah. so once you're going to go, you don't have to be carnivore, but if you go with a mostly protein diet, animal protein diet, whenever that percentage is, let's say, and people say, oh, I will buy beef from a rancher so expensive. I say, let me see your pantry, and I'm going to tell you what's expensive. Let me see mm. your insurance. Let me see your prescriptions. Let me see your checkbook, and I'm going to tell you what's expensive. And so I really think that's a, it's a kind of a misperception that I have to battle with every day with people. I get it. I understand it. But how much money do you spend at the grocery store? How many of those fake commodities that you think that you just absolutely have to live by? You know, what do you eat every day? What is your consumption model? How much money are you really spending on food? Have you cleared out your pantry? You know, have you given yourself a chance, your gut biome, to adjust getting into an animal protein diet? It's a transformation. It takes a while. And look at me. I'm, you know, I'm Texas Lab. What do I eat? Well, I eat beef. I'm not a carnivore. I grew up with a, a, a freezer full of beef. That's how we were raised. I grew up, you know, my family had access to farms and ranches. My grandfather much land. Well, I don't eat that much. I spend less money on food now than I ever have. The deeper I go into, you know, stewarding the beef initiative, I pay for my beef. I don't get free beef, except when somebody buys me a dinner. I spend less money on food now than I did when I was in the 20s and the 30s, I assure you. And that's the perspective that we need to bring to everybody's kind of awareness starting out is like have you really taken a deep dive of knowing what is expensive what about your health you know is that expensive is that not worth uh uh you know a full bitcoin of uh food consumption over a lifetime hey uh, let's 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 get the perspective down first 
You know, that's one thing we need to put into. That's really, that's something that people need to grow with that as a nation. Okay. What does that mean? It means that the food that we eat now is mostly carbohydrates. They're processed carbohydrates. What does that do to your body? Well, it tells your body that you're hungry every four hours. Got to eat again. Got to snag. And you're always hungry. Whenever you go to an animal protein diet, you're not hungry all the time. You can eat once or twice a day and you don't have these insulin crashes going up and down. Your body's not always saying, hey, I'm starving. Yeah, or you're, you're needing that fix, that sugar rush that, you know, and so it's a transition. It is. Good question though. Good point. I can totally feel it as a transition because I'm just into it. I'm yeah. very, very new to this. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been a week and a uh, couple of takeaways I, I've been having is that the, the grocery spills is, is rising, uh, compared to what I used used to have because I was buying I was buying all the the like sometimes snacks and carbs and like the other make of my diet like pasta right. these are dirt cheap right and then if you transition to like steak and beef and uh, like dairy fruits um, right now I mostly eat um, beef and yeah. uh, fruits and dairy like cheese butter um, and obviously, the, the immediate realization is that, okay, I've, spent, I've seemed to spend more on groceries these days than I used to be. But what I've also realized is I haven't, ate out, I haven't eaten out once this past week, which is, you know, on a nice summer day and you're with your friends and, and sometimes I'm by myself and I see some stores and I get the, the, the crave, right? And I don't get this anymore because I know that I'm not supposed to eat this. And I, even if I'm hungry, I would just walk really quickly, pass by, and just come home to cook a steak. Um, I cook my steak with um, air fryers because I can't cook a damn steak without triggering the fair alarm I've never, 10 times. I know the feeling. It's surprisingly not bad because that's um, apparently how Jordan Peterson cooks his steak on the trips, like all the time. Uh, and it's, it's not that bad. Um, there's a huge benefit of mental clarity of not having to think about what I'm eating on a daily basis. On the production perspective, we know since we introduced the fiat system, inflation rate has fluctuated. And how has this affected the cost of beef production? Consequently, the price of uh, beef products over the past few decades, because I'm sure 40 years ago, a steak doesn't cost 25 no. $30. Yeah, exactly. Well, within food, if you look at the inflationary model of CPI in the United States of America, they don't even count food as something that they, they track with inflation. How convenient for them, right? Um, you know, with anything else, you look at what's really basically been the past. What was the most, what got us here? What got us here as humans was animal protein. I don't care what anybody says. Brains. We, we found fire, we, we, we had red meat, we found fire, our brains got bigger, our stomachs got smaller, we got stronger, this is how we got here. Well, if you look at the food systems and what's the most valuable part of a food system, it's what provides you the most dense protein and dense nutrition that you can get. So if you look at beef right now, it is so inflated as far as the price. And if it's not inflated, it means that it's not very good quality. And so you're going to look at the price. If you're buying cheap beef from the supermarket, well, you're going to have to ask me, why is it so inexpensive? Well, it's inexpensive because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. Cheap is, means that it doesn't have quality to it. 
If you can be base and discount buying beef, that means that is not very good food. It's as simple as that. So what is quality? What is quality of nutrition? And that's how you kind of look at inflation. That's how you look at the cost of goods and services. I don't mind spending top dollar for the best beef in the world because I guarantee you that's going to give me the best nutrition the world has to offer. How do I know it's the best nutrition? Well, I know who produced that food. I know their protocol. I know exactly what they did to the land, to the animal, how it was processed, how it was ordered, how it was distributed. I got to my fork. I'm going to be okay. And people are going to start understanding that let's talk about food in the supermarket, okay, and inflation and the CPI and the cost of beef and animal protein. Well, I've been telling everybody for the last two years is they're turning beef into caviar. What does that mean? It means that they're going to basically not give you market access to quality beef anymore. They're going to debase a lot of the beef that you might have market access in the grocery store. Make it cheap because that's what everybody, everybody wants cheap food. You know, how did, how did Taco Bell save itself uh, two decades ago? They started selling 39 cent tacos. And they debased the price of their food along with the debasement of their food. And so if you're out there looking for convenient and cheap food, where you're going to have cheap and inconvenient results because that's your consumption model, I don't mind paying high-quality money for high-quality food. That's my energy. That's my life source. And what we've done over the last 50 years is instead of survival, food is survival. It's not convenient. And everybody goes, well, that's not convenient. Well, sorry that you need that much convenience because that's not how our grandparents got here. How do you look at food? How do you look at inflation? What do you find valuable? What is a store of value for your energy levels? What's a store of value for your money? What is the best investment that you can make getting you the type of energy that your brain deserves? And if your brain and your body are going through these insulin spikes all day, is it that costly to you and your productivity and your happiness and how you feel every day? Doesn't that basically put roadblocks as far as you being the best person? I mean, Bitcoin is energy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, that's what it is. Bitcoin is energy. Well, your fruit should be energy, too, that it's sustaining, that has a store of value. So we have to look at inflation differently. We have to look at the cost of goods and services differently moving into this parallel economy that we're trying to basically let everybody understand that this is a lifestyle that you need to pursue. I'm hearing a big, I'm hearing Bitcoiner all over what you right? just said. Um, it's no one Bitcoiner. <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, because I was gonna, because I was gonna ask you, like you, you're obviously familiar with the concept of uh, individual sovereignty and what role do you think diet plays in the journey of becoming a sovereign individual? But I think you already answered the question perfectly. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are are coming from the space where we obviously we've heard um, that you know there there are different protein source that we can have and there's also plant based protein and I'm I'm sure a lot of people are are consuming plant based protein on a daily basis as a major protein source. So I want to gauge your thinking on um, why is animal based protein more superior than plant based protein? Well, let's listen. Let's look at that. And whenever I started the production, I said, you know, I'm Texas. I'm from Texas, West Texas. I, I grew up around cows. So, you know, of course, it's going to be the beef initiative. 
but really the beef initiative is about truth and food. And so there's a lot of different forms of protein that you can actually ingest and that many societies, many cultures throughout the history of man have used as, as far as protein. You have quinoa, you know, as a grain protein and it's a good protein. You have protein in broccoli. Okay, well, let's look at that. I admit there's other forms of protein, okay? But once again, the history of melanin can be looked at and reflected upon that the best form of protein that we've seen throughout the history of time is dense animal protein. Okay, that's not going to be something that we have to argue or debate because it's not a debate. It's, just, it's how we've got here. And also, there's been many civilizations that do thrive off of good vegetable type of proteins. You know, uh, you know, in the Hispanic culture, a lot of times they get a lot of their protein from beef. You know, it, you, you see it all over. I've been all, all over. There's, a, there's ways you can get very good protein delivery to your body with vegetables. Okay, let's look at most of those vegetables that, let's say, in the United States. Well, most of those vegetables, a lot of people don't have access to, let's say, organic, because that's what people can re- understand, clean organic food that's not tainted, that's not genetically modified, that's not bioengineered. Well, okay, most of the food that we're eating in the United States, about 85% of it is monocropped. It's the multinational system of producing that vegetable, let's say that vegetable protein, let's say soy protein genetically modified, grain in a monocrop that has tons of pesticides and herbicides, okay? It's not the same type of uh, vegetable protein that somebody's getting in India that's growing in a different way, okay? Once again, perspective. You know, are you going to be a vegetarian eating vegetables only from a supermarket? Well, there's studies out there now that it takes us, now we have to eat five apples, to get the same nutritional delivery of one apple just 20 years ago. Once we introduced genetically modified organite, exactly. So it's a facade. The apples are huge now. They're beautiful and you can get them all the time. But 20 years ago, they were smaller. They were more dogs. They didn't look as pretty because they weren't genetically modified. Do a lot of people realize in apples as well? Tomatoes, they've taken a gene out fish okay and they've injected it into the seed of a tomato genetically modified seed of tomato that that genetic modification to that tomato makes that tomato have a thicker skin and so it's more protected it can last longer on the shelves and in your basically in your pantry okay so that's genetically modified well that genetically modified organism is now decreasing that nutritional value of that one pure seed that we used to have that tomato. Okay, let's look at the soybean. In Asian culturals, you have tofu. You have a lot of soy products that are consumed in Asia. When people say, well, Japan, they eat tofu, they eat soy, and, you know, they don't have all this soy rage and everything that we have in the United States. The soy in Japan is totally different than the soy in the United States. I'll eat Japanese food all day long in Japan, but I'm not going to eat the same type of, I guess, advertised food here in the United States. It's not the same product. might have the same name, but it's not going to have the same nutritional delivery. Same with protein. If I'm going to eat protein that is based out of a, a vegetable or something like that, 
I'm going to make sure where that source of that seed comes from. That's when I look at the protein delivery of that seed saying, yeah, this is a good delivery of protein through quinoa, way through this type of soy that was not genetically modified. And they're not even in the United States using genetically modified anymore. It's bioengineered. And most people don't even know that. So you can say that you are a vegetarian, that you do the best, and you're doing all this animal welfare and all that. That's fine. Great. I'm not going ju- to judge you or compete with you on that. Where are you getting your food? Do you know exactly where it comes from? Do you know how many times that seed has been genetically modified? Do you truly know the, the, the content of that protein, or is that something that they put on a label because they got through the FDA and the USDA, and they're able to say that it's got 14 grams of protein? Once again, it's perspectives. And the only way you're going to figure that out is the sovereign individual goes and says, yeah, I'm going to validate these deceptions. I'm not starting until I know where I'm staying with food, with my consumption model, and my understanding of the type of food intelligence that I need right now in 2023 moving forward. Because the food system is about to change in a way most people haven't seen in a lifetime. So GMO stands for genetically modified or, or, uh, organisms, and it can refer to an animal, plant, or uh, microbe whose DNA has been altered using genetic engineering techniques. Um, so nowadays, even technically humans can become GMO too, thanks to technology called um, something like Casper, uh, CRISPR-Cas9. So it's, it's, there's and its potential, including treating serious diseases such as blindness on a genetic level. Basically, they would just take out the blind gene out of your body. So you said they modify tomatoes to make the the skin thicker. Um, but my question here is, why GMO food is bad for us? Uh, if if they make the 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 potato, uh, t- tomato skin thicker, then what is the impact on the nutritional level? Because are they connected? Tell us more about the process. Yeah. Anytime you bring science into biology, you're going to have problems in the law. And that's what's happened with genetically modified organisms. Whenever you genetically modify and bioengineer, then your product is supposed to deliver nutrition. Where do vitamins and minerals truly come from? Where do they truly come from? Does anybody really know? Where does it truly come from? It comes from the earth. It comes from the soil. Basically, what we've done for thousands and thousands of years as people, we, 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 we figured out how to eat the earth, okay? Vitamins and minerals come deep within the soil, okay? Let's look at a cow, okay? A cow is fascinating because... What you have is you have a ruminant animal that goes out there and it grazes the land, off the land, and they, they, they forage. They go through there and their bodies tell them, and they know instinctively what they need to eat. What they're doing is they're taking those vitamins and minerals from the soil. They're consuming that grass and that forage. They have a system that has multiple stomachs. Those stomachs go through and basically breaks down that forage and then stores those vitamin and minerals into the flesh of the cow, the meat, the steak. And so then therefore we get to eat those vitamins and minerals by entering the cow and consuming that. Okay, whenever you modify that sequence of nature and biology with science and technology, you're going to debase it and it's going to be a facade. You can make it look pretty. You can make it last longer. You can make it look, oh, my God, look how big that potato is. 
that's just an amazing looking potato. But what truly is in that potato? Smoke and mirrors is what it is. It's as simple as that. CRISPR technology, they always do this. Say, oh, we're going to solve blindness with CRISPR technology. Well, okay, what are the two million other things that you're going to do with it that you're not telling the general public? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there. Okay, let's get idealistic here, right? You know, and that's what they're doing with food right now. You know, there's a big push, you know, globally to, you know, there's a, the, the cows now carbon hazard, which is the biggest propaganda in my lifetime. It's a joke. But what are they doing? They're, they're making you think that true nutrition doesn't come from the soil, that they can actually do the smoke and mirrors game with nutrition and they can genetically modify nutrition into your life and to where you're the consumer, you're the recycling bin of that science. We're the most unhealthiest nation on, in the history of mankind right now. We, we've got the proof. Why is that? They want to allow genetically modified food from America into their food systems. That's for a reason. We're guinea pigs in the United States, and it's it's taken a ton of us. And this is part of why I think that the Bitcoin community, they're the ones that are going to lead this charge as far as knowing the why. What are the issues but then creating the solution? Because mm-hmm. we're done with it. We're done with the deceptions. And that's what I tell everybody. Quit validating the deceptions within the food system. So when we talk about genetically modified organisms or bioengineered, we're talking about manipulation. Um, on that note, I want to get your thoughts on protein powders, because protein powders is one of the dodgy things I've always find along with microwaves. Uh, yep. You're already stating that like real energy, real nutrition comes from the soil. Um, and obviously, protein powders are not made from trees. And um, are synthet- are, like, what's the chemical make of protein powder? Like, are they synthetic? protein from a chemistry perspective aren't they supposed to be the same compound even if they're synthetic and what's the main difference well i think protein powder it's classified as a supplement yeah right okay that means what that means what it is it's a supplement it's not the main source of of your protein it's not the main source of your your nutrition right your main source of protein you should never look at it that way Within the labeling laws of the United States of America and other countries now, you know, you don't know what you're getting anymore. A lot of protein powders come from China. They come from foreign countries that basically get through our, our systems, and you don't really know what you're consuming. I don't care what it says on the label. You don't know. How do you know what's in that protein powder? Well, there's people out there that do have good whey protein powder. That's, you know, that comes from the, 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 that animal that did forage on ground. Say the animal, the, the cow. I would say about 1% of protein powders out there are what they're salt about what the price they are. And it's, it's daunting because I have a 19-year-old son and he just lives and breathes protein powder. He's always looking for the next best protein powder. But he also knows that it's a supplement. It's something that, you know, you have to go through there, do your own research, and kind of look at it from that perspective. Screen it for what it is. It's a supplement. If you need extra protein in your system, then go for it. And the best form of supplement of protein powders is going to be a whey protein, a whey protein, W-H-E-Y. But you, the person, has to really kind of do some research. Where did this whey protein came from? 
you know, right now it's very popular to buy whey protein powder from New Zealand because they have some of the be best grass finished cows in the world, right? Well, that's, that's factual. But just because it's a marketing plan and they say it's true doesn't mean it's true. You can go to Walmart, buy all kinds of protein powder that basically aren't going to do any type of delivery because they are so synthetic, as you say. Basically, the only thing you really need to worry about, and this is going to make it simple for everybody, make animal protein the highest percentage of your diet that you can right now and keep on going in that direction to where you can get 80 to 90% of your intake is animal protein. Then you can do your fruits, your vegetables, your rice, your whatever it is, your butters, your eggs, whatever it is, go in that direction. And that's up to you to figure out my budget, what I understand about food. But if you just make it, a habit, make it a directive that you're going to consume animal protein and stick with it because your, your stomach has to heal itself. People don't realize, most of, especially the United States of America, you hear about leaky gut, you know, you hear of all these little UI problems, you know, down in our gut, our stomach is our second brain. And so, well, or it's really our first brain. A lot of people do not understand that, but your, your microbiome of your gut needs to reset. So this is a low time preference type of lifestyle that you got to give it a chance and you've got to validate. You've got to verify your swap before you trust. Personally, I try to shop organic whenever I can, but um, I'm sure I, I'm not the only one who has this question. Um, what does it mean when something is organic? Like when you're shopping in a grocery store, what does it mean when it says organic on the label? Like what do we instantly know about this food when there's an organic sticker on it? Yeah, and it's a good question because it's, it's kind of cloudy as far as really what does organic mean more, right? It first started out uh, pretty good intentionally. It started out in California as a couple of people. And basically they said, hey, this is organic. And what they did is they copyrighted organic. And then they, you know, a lot of lobbying went on. And then the government adopted it. The USDA adopted it. And they put all these bells and whistles around it. And this is organic. This means organic. And, you know, it's supposed to be mean clean and pure. Let's just go there. It's supposed to be clean and pure. You know, it doesn't have a lot of things that are happening to that organism, that product, and it, it, it happens naturally. You know, it's something that you steward it, you know, from the ground up. Uh, today, you basically are buying the right to be able to use the copyrighted stamp of organic. And that's how, how far we've come from the very first intentions. There's, uh, there's people that make a lot of money off of organic labeling. It's like, okay, what does this really mean? It's a good start, but it's not foolproof of sign that that product is pure and clean. It's, you don't know that. You can't trust labels anymore. There's a lot of people that use organic. That's how they make a living. That's what their product is. It's truly organic. But then you've got a lot of manipulation within that stamp of organic that is being manipulated and debased just like our dollar and our food systems and so you got to know the source of your food that's it i got to tell people over and over again you got to know where this food is coming from you have to establish relationships with those people and it's not just an overnight little click on amazon to figure out your solution 
It's a lifestyle that you've got to intentionally say, all right, I'm going to stop validating these deceptions. If I'm going to pursue organic, I'm the one that's going to verify that it's organic, not some label that was created decades ago that is now used as a copyright and a governmental stamp to make them be able to sell more product for a higher profit. That's where it's really gotten to. But in, in, in short, organic still means something, right? Is it still worth pay, paying a premium for the organic product over the non-organic products? It's, it's definitely a good start to, to buy organic. If that's where your entry point is, you bet. Go buy all organic that you can. That's a good entry point. And then learn trial by error and then facilitate and engineer your consumption model based on those uh, validations and those verifications. But it, it, it's not a quick fix. And we've got to remember this. You can't look at food as convenience. It is something that you should actually look at that it takes, takes you out of your convenient consumption model of audio, video, and food to where you truly, you're the one that says it's organic, not the store. I'm my own researcher. Why are people not so like excited to become their own researchers anymore? Why are they rent-seeking all their validations in life? It's got to stop. Wow. Especially as big corners. Yeah. Now we can't be hypocritical, man. This is this is such a great opportunity for the Bitcoin space and the people that are into Bitcoin to reinvent a food supply that was stolen from us. And so do the work. It's called crucial work for a reason. And isn't that what we have to do to basically to get a Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, to create a Bitcoin, there has to be proof of work. It's not proof of stake, folks. It's proof of work. What is your work that you're going to do to find out if these labels are lying to you? Organic's a first start. Um, and while we're on the topic of fancy terms, I have another terms and comparisons for you. Okay. The context of this is I've had an incident where I was in a Whole Foods with a friend and we were having a serious debate in front of the butter aisle and debating whether grass-fed butter is better than organic butter. <laughs> well, sometimes you get this, both of those like right next to yeah. each other. Which one's better? Well, the, let's look at what butter is. Okay, it's cream. Okay, where does cream come from? It comes from the mama cow. It comes from milk, right? And so organic butter, okay, the best butter in the world is coming from... Uh, uh, raw milk, mm -hmm. nothing that's been pasteurized, nothing that's been tainted, okay? Organic butter, probably, in that way they use it on that package, that really matters. Probably just butter that's made out of pasteurized milk that they get to say that it's an organic cow, organic, you know, dairy system that they've been able to set up. And so I've been sitting there in the front, you know, and I'm debating. I'm going definitely into the grass-fed butter over organic butter every day because grass fed usually means okay if it's grass fed but then that leads into a new question what is grass fed right so the butter i get is i make sure it's not pasteurized i can that's the number one choice if i can get raw milk butter raw milk cream i'm all over it it's hard to find and then i get maybe a2 butter that's that hadn't been processed as much as pasteurized as much so what you really want to look at on butter you don't really want to worry about the organic side of it. You want to see how, how old that milk is, how old that cream is. That should be what you're looking at. 
nothing else. And then you kind of process of elimination up. So. All right. Love it. The, the argument is subtle then. If you are having a similar debate within your mind, because they are literally next, right next to each other at the, the butter aisle, um, you, know, you know what to pick next time. That brings up, I was in Natural Grocers the other day because it was a new one and I wanted to go check it out. And the butter aisle, of course, I was in that where you were. And I saw this, and it was in Vermont. They have a lot of cows. They do a lot of dairy in Vermont. Butter's from Vermont. Had this lady hugging a cow, and it was vegan butter, you know, vegetarian butter. And it's like, love your cow. Don't abuse your cow, right? So when did milking a cow become abuse? All that, whatever. But that right there, she said organic. She said she didn't say grass-fed because it doesn't even come from the cow. That butter doesn't come from the cow. So what does it come from? Oils. <laughs> Organic seed oil <laughs> is how they're making this butter. <laughs> and that's the deception. Right. That's the worst damn thing anybody could be, to eat, be eating right now. But you know that marketing's there. She's hugging a cow. She say, be kind to the cow in a different way. You know, it's abusive. To It's just, it's such a propaganda machine that we've gotten to as far as that type of marketing is so confusing to people that are well-intentioned trying to do the right thing for their bodies. We have to come to a moment of clarity, especially as Bitcoiners. If you're going to be okay with that type of deception, are you really a Bitcoiner? Now, come on, look at me. Are you really a Bitcoiner if you're going to validate the deceptions? If you're going to basically not verify before you trust? How are you trusting? If you're trusting through the labeling wells of the food systems, of the multinational food systems in the United States of America, you're trusting the wrong entity. You have to trust yourself first and foremost before you can trust anybody else. Yeah, yeah, totally. And is this the same principle when it comes to beef? If you have option for a grass-fed beef and organic, definitely go for grass-fed. That's my... Yeah. Okay. Well, and that, that, that I was thinking about that earlier because grass-fed beef is something that's, I've never met a cow that didn't love to eat grass. Yeah. All cows eat grass. All cows eat grass. And also, cows have been eating grains since the beginning of time as well. And for ancient civilizations, we've always let cows basically forage on what they know to forage on. So whenever you go to organic, yeah, you're not going to go organic beef. You, that's not what you need to be looking at. But what right now, you can have in the systems, in the labeling systems of the USDA now, you can have a 10-year-old dairy cow that basically has one tooth that's put on a blade of grass for a day or two, and they can say it's a grass-fed cow, and that can go into the grass-fed organic meat department of a supermarket. That's how far we've come. Wow. So, once again... What is my number one slogan across this planet right now? Shake your rancher's hand. Go find out who and who, who, who raised the cow, who raised the land that that cow is basically helping build that soil. You've got to find out who the source of that cow comes from. That's hard to do. If you have to shop at the supermarket, it's kind of daunting. I agree because... All over this, in Australia, Asia, here in the United States, everywhere I've gone in the last six months, it's so confusing that it's, it's daunting. And that's why I say, go shake your rancher's hand. 
I know not everybody can do that, right? That's the next thing. But I live in a city. I can't get out. I don't have a car. I'm stuck here. What do I do? Well, you reach out through the Beef Initiative. We have almost 200 ranchers and producers in the Beef Initiative that you can contact now and you can develop a relationship with them. Or if you have the means, which most people do, is that you can go, and this is me selling my beef, and you can go to the Beef Initiative and buy beef, and it will be delivered straight to you, and you will know exactly where that cow came from, what has been put into that cow, and that it's the cleanest beef in the nation. So we give you a lot of options in the Beef Initiative. And having 200 producers and ranchers in there, we're going to get that up to 1,000. And so everybody's going to have these different ways and means to develop that market access, to have that discussion with that producer. So what does it mean to you for this grass cow to be grass fed? What does it mean to you to say that this, this beef is organic? What does it mean to you that it's regeneratively raised? What does it mean to you to be antibiotic free? You get to ask the producer, you want to talk about peace of mind? To where you're never going to not establish and keep that relationship with that person that lives and dies to feed you. And that's what we have to start seeing as this nation. You need to change your consumer demand to those people that are out there 24-7, 365, that are basically doing everything they know, that they're usually generational, that they learn how to steward that animal and that food, and they want you to come purchase it from them. They want to have a relationship with you. And that's why I started in the Bitcoin space is like, I know Bitcoiners are going to be more intentional. I had one of my ranchers ask me, because I could not figure why you started in Bitcoin Twitter with the beef initiative. He goes, but then I waited for about a month or two. And now you're a freaking genius. I get it now is because these people care about authenticity and transparency and that's what these producers and ranchers want to bring to everybody. They want to brag about what they are. They're really educated. If you think about it, we're really at war here because there's a whole lot of effort around shifting the next generation into a meatless diet. And all of the controls and middlemen, if you think about it in the beef industry, I guess these are technically two separate topics, but I would look in, into the overall picture for a second. Was Bill Gates buying all the farmlands available and turn them into artificial food super factories? What do you see become the worst case scenario here for an average citizen? Try to put food on their table and maintain a healthy lifestyle. Let's, let's get perspective of the history of mankind. Uh, the wild plants, you know, where does Bob come with peasants? You know, we're the common man, right? Okay. What has history shown? Well, usually you, your food systems are highly manipulated if you're the peasants. I, I'm a peasant. I admit it. I'm a peasant. I'm a poor cowboy from West Texas. Well, throughout the history of man, we've always debased food systems for civilizations. It happened during Rome. Throughout time, the fall of Rome came because the monetary systems and the food systems got debased. Well, who did that? Well, those people that I control over the money and the food, right? So what do you do as a sovereign individual? You go out there and you innovate within your own food system. That's what the Booth Initiative is. And that's what the individual Bitcoiner needs to start doing. If you're going to go there and eat pockets and chicken tendies every day, and you're going to go and eat, you know, Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or whatever it is, 
you're going to be consuming a different food systems that you're even consuming today. It's going to change. And, uh, you know, they, everybody says, oh, I'm not going to eat that 3D printed meat. Yeah, you will. You won't even know you're, you're eating it. And so, you know, they have debased our way of manufacturing food and well that was basically really was a gift from God in the beginning in the United States of America. Our bread basket was the bread basket of the world. It had the potential to really make this world healthy and fed. They screwed it up because they debased our food and I went for high profits on a debased money supply and it's cotton up to them. And they know this. And so that's why I call it a global industrial food shift. Market access is going to change and it's going to be basically where the peasant, the plab, doesn't have market access to the best nutrition in the world. They're going to make sure of. There's not an abundance of good food in this world anymore. I've traveled around the world several times. And the best food on the planet sometimes is in Thailand, right there on the street corner with those people that follow an elder's doctrine. They know where that food comes from. And it's not based on a fiat system. It's based on an elder's doctrine to where the food is still affordable. Everybody gets to eat it everybody, every day. They don't have words like organic or grass-fed or regenerative. Da, 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 da. All those words have been inserted into our food systems the last 50 years. Yeah. Right. A lot of it's based on an illusion. And your work and Beef Initiative in general are getting a lot of recognition in the Bitcoin community, and, and rightfully so. Um, so beyond the Bitcoin community, where and which other communities have you received the most attention or success from? You know, it's been very balanced. Uh, you know, the, the agricultural world, it's a, it's a different space, especially in the cattle industry. You know, you have a lot of people that make their living. They sell the cattle to the multinational system and always have to let everybody know that this is not an attack on the cattle rancher. This is basically a, a, an observation of what's going on here. We support the great American rancher and producers. And so that's a lot of explaining that you have to do, especially me, because being the founder of the Beef Initiative. By saying that, it's been very balanced. We have a lot of Bitcoiners that have joined in with a lot of ranchers, and they're, they're, they've, they've changed their lives. And so you have a lot of consumers out there that are now understanding that the systems, especially after COVID, is basically our food systems kind of got jacked up, the food supply systems, and brought a new awareness. So the people that are coming into the beef initiative, they're across the board. And I, I find it the best way that I've seen in the last several years, the adoption of Bitcoin is happening faster through the beef initiative than I see anywhere else in the Bitcoin space. And that's because we're a proof of work. I've got ranchers out there now are full coiners because they started selling beef for Bitcoin and Bitcoin for beef. And they did a new from day one. The ranchers don't want to buy Bitcoin. They want to earn Bitcoin. And so that's why we created this peer-to-peer -peer system to where they can actually, the consumer can start supporting a rancher by buying beef with Bitcoin. And so there's been a lot of education. Uh, we're about to ramp out the, the, the umbrella of awareness through across demographics of people. But like you and I were talking about before, the person I want to talk to the most right now are the moms out there, the moms of the world. Because they're the ones that think about food all the time. Black. And 
last years, they need to be leading this charge, especially in Bitcoin. We need all the model bearers in Bitcoin, all the future moms, all the grandmas, whatever it is, as far as, you know, women in Bitcoin. This is a wonderful opportunity to bring in more women into Bitcoin, bring more women into truth and food, and more women into nutrition. And because the number one person that has been lied to the most about food over the last hundred years is the mom. The mom that was in the kitchen, the heritage woman, my grandmother was lied to about food more than anybody I know about. And it made them switch their understanding that they were doing their work. And so that's a whole new podcast within itself. I started with the Bitcoiners and the ranchers, but now it's time for everybody to join us. Wow, this is interesting because you just offered a very unique point of entry for Bitcoin as well. Like you, basically you're saying that we, instead of orange peeling other people through the concept of Bitcoin and the values it represents, start with something else. Start with something that's so fundamental in our day to day that they have to think about it. And once they make the turn around and how much of a illusion we're under, then they naturally kind of arrive at Bitcoin. I think that's a great way to put it. And um, it's, it's definitely going to work out and got to see so many people are getting orange pilled. Um, during beef initiative, the conferences, I've heard great words about it. Um, it's where we're all in this together. It's, it's a war. It's happening. Yeah, we are. It's a collaboration. There is no competition here, you know, and I see a lot of that. I call it the poverty mindset, you know, and we, we all, that's what we're taught to have. There's such an abundance right now with the type of uh, protocol of lifestyle that Bitcoin and pure food and truth and food brings you. Why would you not? I, you feel great. You get to travel around the world. You get to create your own lifestyle. I mean, we've got, you know, babes who Bitcoin, Liz, Liz Parrott. She's a very good friend of mine. I mean, she's my buddy. We went to Australia together. Well, she over, she's overcoming health issues because she's now eating majority of animal protein. She's one of the best Bitcoiners I know. She lives the lifestyle. But she got through becoming a better Bitcoiner able to talk about Bitcoin easier and better, more reception towards her through the half that pure animal protein gave her that she sources through Bitcoin. I mean, it's a no-brainer to me. That's what I saw from the very beginning because I know how captured the rancher is when it comes to, you know, nobody even knows how to go out and find a rancher. You can't do it. It's impossible yeah. because they are self-censored on the Internet. They never had a voice, right? So when here we have a peer-to-peer -peer system, monetary system, that you need to have a peer-to-peer -peer system. That's how I grew up. Always knew that that vegetable was coming from the farm or that my mother raised it or I raised it or that cow came from the rancher that I knew. I knew every part of what I ate growing up. I haven't taken antibiotics my whole life. I have very few antibiotics in my system. I haven't taken one antibiotic since I was 19 years old. I don't worry about immunity. I don't worry about getting sick. I don't, and this is not bragging, knock on wood, but people have to understand, I don't give, I don't give a crap how much Bitcoin you have. If you don't have health, yeah. you don't have any wealth, yeah. man. What do you consider Seriously, wealthy? Yeah. Where do you store wealth? You, you, you know, and I know there's a lot of Bitcoiners out there that do not eat healthy. Totally, yeah. How are you going to enjoy that Bitcoin? You're going to buy your way into it? In that fiat, you don't buy your way into anything. 
That's what that's what got us in all these problems. We threw a, a fiat dollar at all of our solutions, and now we're asking for validation from that same fiat fiat money at everything. It doesn't work like that. Sorry, the gig is up. Yeah, and this is a sad thing that I see around me as well because Bitcoiner believe in low time preference over time, and sometimes they build for the future, and their eyes are too much on the future to the point that they lose the focus of the present moment of to to preserve their energy right now and live their life right now to to fulfill that life that they they meant to fulfill in the future and this is a such a shame because i've seen bitcoiners even bitcoiners i i I said the other day on twitter and and bitcoin might be a path for freedom and happiness but it's still up to you to walk that path it's not it's it's not a um, a magic pill that you can just take well it is an orange pill right um but it's it's not a pill to take for instant happiness and um, serenity you still have to put effort in living your life to live that lifestyle and that takes work and i'm i'm hoping that more people will come to realize that and your your future matters your 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 present moment matters just as much as your future um, knowing we're sovereign individuals and um, with lower time preference. So this is absolutely right. Well, it, it, that's, a, that's a good perspective. And one thing I, I in, in whenever I say all this stuff, I want everybody to know this is not a judgment. We're not like, you know, competing. This is a collaboration. We're all in this together, like you say. But really, you know, I started in the beef initiative because I had had a pretty bad health scare. And so what had happened is I got busted up, you know, the way I was, I'm half and tumbled. I had over 20 broken bones. I'm sure everybody knows this because I tell everybody the story. I got a broken neck, got 14 pieces of metal in me. I got busted up. I damn near died. I said, hey, I got to look in the mirror. I got to be accountable for how I'm going to live from here on out. And so that's how I started doing food intelligence. I said, I'm going to start living like I was taught as a child, you know, and I'm going to get back to the base. And so everybody needs to do that. If you're ready, you're going to have to do it at some time in your life. You've got to look in that accountability mirror. You can't always just, you know, rent sink into everything that we do. And there's times that, you know, you can't eat great all the time. That's that you can't do it. But there's going to be times where it is your protocol. It is your basically form of food intelligence that makes you the best person you can be. It's up to you to figure that out. And so everybody has to understand this. I'm not doing this for as a marketing plan. And you, 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 we talk about all the Socratic things that happen and, and the philosophical things in Bitcoin. All of that is needed. Well, I'll get Socratic with you. There is no future, folks. You just got right now the present moment. Learn how to witness the present moment, not just be the present moment, but witness it. You know, look at it. Look at yourselves in a way that you never looked at you. You know, you're not your thoughts. Quit being your emotion. Be witness to what you're feeling today as a Bitcoiner. And it's okay to say, hey, I need to change this because it's going to lead. There's a protocol. There's an ethos. There, there is a way of life. It's called proof of work. And we can't rip seek our ways into that. We have to, as an individual, as a sovereign individual, it's the best thing to do because it leads to a lot of good things. Some of the best relationships, you know, I've had a great life and I've always pretty much done it my way as much as I could. But the last several years with the beef initiative 
you know, being in the Bitcoin space and the ranching space at the best time, I've met the most fascinatingly wonderful people. My lifestyle cannot be better now. I don't have two dimes to rub together right now because of the beef initiative because we're building. I don't have any wealth right now because my wealth is in my health. And it's all the people that I'm meeting, all the innovation that we're doing together, the collaboration that we're creating together. Bitcoin is not just going to be number go up. I'm sorry, folks. Until you incorporate it in something that is very valuable into your life and innovate with it, that's how it's going to save you if that's what you need. If you need to be saving, that's got to let it be symbiotic with what you feel very dear to you. What is it going to be your legacy that you sat down and went number go up for a decade or that you innovated with this new wonderful technology that we've all been graced wow yeah totally that's very very powerful message and uh well that's all of my questions um slim very very honored to have you on the show and um thanks a lot for joining i know you're busy um any final final thoughts final notes you want to point out sure we'll just go into perspective okay I, i did a podcast about two weeks ago and I don't really, I don't listen to my podcast. I can't, that's, that's dangerous. You just do it and you walk away, right? But I, I watched this podcast part of it. It was a good podcast. And then somebody in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the comments said that, oh, he's just trying to sell beef. And I want everybody to know, you damn right, I'm trying to sell beef. I'm trying to sell the most beef in the nation that we've ever sold before through the beef initiative. All of our lecturers, producers need to sell beef. This is about saving in the industry. This is about saving a food supply. It starts now. So go to the Beef Initiative. Sign up for our newsletter. Be a part of it. Collaborate with us. Bring ideas. Reach out. Tell us stories. Tell us testimonies. Go shake a rancher's hands. Do it through the Beef Initiative. And if you're going to do anything, this rest of this year, pay attention to the Beef Initiative. We're about to turn it up a bit. We're there. We uh, plateaued. And now we're going to go on to the next mountaintop. So it's, it's about to unfold. So, and uh, also, let the, all the Bitcoiners know. I want every Bitcoiner out there to know how much respect and how much honor and how much gratitude we have for the Bitcoin space. Everybody's been a fantastic collaborator. We need matter. If we get all Bitcoiners to start basically shaking ranchers' hands... We control the food supply in the United States. Watch out. Wow. Can't wait. And what's the best way to uh, stay in, stay close to Beef Initiative and yours, yours work? You can go to beefinitiative.com. You can go, uh, go to beefinitiative.com, sign up for the newsletter there. That's going to give you all of our newsletters that are coming out. They're going to be three a week. We're going to have a lifestyle management section of the newsletter. We're going to have a rite of passage Actually, I went over to Asia and one of our good friends, Captain Sid, that rode his motorcycle across the United States, he was in Thailand. Well, he's doing something called a Ride of Passage. So go to rideofpassage.live, rideofpassage.live, and go see what we cooked up and Sid's basically engineering right now. It's a, it's a Ride of Passage in Asia, and it's based on uh, everything that is Bitcoin and sovereign living. And so, of course, the, the Twitter, uh, Twitter handle is Modern T-Man. Or just do a search on Google, do I Am Texas Slum. 
and type it into the old Google search and see what pops up. You're going to find some. All righty. All righty. Thanks a lot. And thank you again for joining us, Texas Slam.、Um, great to have you here. And thanks for tuning in. My name is Vivian Chen. I'm your host. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>